Hi, everybody. Today we have a special guest all the way from Holland. Uh, he's the founder, one of the founders of uh, Bloomreach Global. Uh, and we're going to be talking about content strategy and how he has a team of 400 people and what he's looking for when he's hiring salespeople. Uh, he's a really insightful guy, really knows his stuff. He's also a mentor at uh, Startup Bootcamp and a consultant, and he really passes on a lot of good information in today's episode. And before we get started, I'd like to, to tell you about startup sales and what we're doing. Uh, if you're an early stage startup and you need help building out your sales processes, whether that's inbound or outbound sales processes, then we could come in and help you with that. We could help you in building the processes itself, writing the content for emails, uh, putting together your outbound strategy and the infrastructure around that, and building and training the team to implement everything once it gets up and running. So if you want more information on that, you can find out at startupsales.io or you could email me at adam at startupsales.io. Let's get started with, uh, with TJ and I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. All right, TJ, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here on the show. Um, let's just jump right into it and kind of, uh, if you could give us a brief overview of Bloomreach and how you got to Bloomreach and, and what your role is there. Yeah, so um, uh, like back in the, actually 99, we started uh, Hippo right out of university. Um, we made some pivots with, with Hippo, but in the end, uh, we really took off uh, around like 2012. Um, and then we were like in the double digit growth, uh, we grew the company bootstrapped it to over hundred people with offices in Boston, Amsterdam and London. Um, we got into conversations with Bloomweeds beginning of 2016, uh, end of 2016, we sold the company to, uh, Bloomweeds. Um, and, uh, currently, uh, I'm part of the exact team. Um, of uh, Bloomreach, and I'm currently running uh, the European office. So basically, that's uh, the office in Amsterdam and London. Okay, fantastic. And um, you, so you said that you started off bootstrapped. Uh, I know you advise a lot of companies now uh, in the startup realm, and but back then it was a lot different uh, bootstrapping versus today. So what is kind of, if you were to do it all over again today, what would you do, bootstrap or, uh, or raise funds? Yeah, so the interesting question. Um, Bloomreach has over 100 million funding. Uh, so we have, yeah, actually some of the top uh, VCs uh, are backing our company. 
Um, and with Hippo, I've seen the, the, the other side of the coin as well. Uh, I think at that time, bootstrapping made the most sense also because we right out of university, we were pretty fresh. Uh, we didn't understand all the numbers. So uh, we really had to learn basically how to work and how this, how this gig can really uh, work out. Um, so I, I think it also depends on, on where you are, um, in your career. So, um, when you have a lot of confidence and you understand the numbers and you understand how you can rapidly grow your company, uh, what we're currently doing with, with Bloomreach and, uh, being that, 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 that senior, uh, veteran entrepreneur, I think it makes a lot of sense to have a lot of VC backing. Uh, but if you're fresh to the game, uh, I would first make some rounds yourself. Uh, basically, have a have a like an MVP, launch it, get some customers, get an understanding of the data um, before bringing in more money. Interesting. That's an interesting concept because then uh, it slows it slows you down a lot, but. Uh... Why, why would I do that if, if I could just raise money and, and jump to it? And the good thing about uh, having a better understanding of your, uh, your sales play and understanding the data you have is uh, it has a positive impact on your valuation as well. So uh, if, uh, if you have some traction in the market, um, then you, you could look at yourself a bit more than a scale up, or you can, you, you can present the story in a way that, um, uh, you know, that whatever dollar you put in will yield in a, in a, in a certain way. Uh, and that obviously has a tremendous effect on the value you uh, can get for your company. And in that way, also your shares. And then the second bit is obviously the, the end game. Um, selling a company bootstrap and still owning all the shares <laughs> uh, is interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, very much. All right, yeah, and it's kind of like more like it takes longer, but uh, good good things come to those who wait. <laughs> yes, and I, I think uh, it, it, there's one other element. Um, I'm in the in the B two B enterprise space. Um, these companies tend to really uh, take off in their fifth or seventh year. So that's different than a B2C company. So obviously mm -hmm. to build uh, something for B2B, especially in the software space, is a lot more complex. Um, and understanding all angles uh, of the wishes of your customers, is just taking you time. Um, and when you bootstrap, you sort of have that time. Um, and obviously when there's VC money, uh, the only thing is just to increase your speed and, and grow faster. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. You, you really get the experience and like you said, you got to know your product better. You got to know your audience better. Uh, I think this is key to be able to build a product that will sell better as well. Yes. Yes. So I, uh, yeah, I see also just if you look at the valuation of B2B companies and B2B companies which have been sold, uh, they get into really interesting valuations in the, like seven, 10, 12 years. That, 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 those are, those are um, 
yeah, the, the unicorns of the, of the B2B space, um, where you see the, the really rapid growth of, of, and especially also valuation of companies which are a bit more in the B2C. Uh, and then you're thinking about the, 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 the Ubers, et cetera. Um, it's just a different uh, motion. Okay. And so what about the idea of bootstrapping at the beginning, uh, figuring out your MVP and figuring out your, your go-to-market and really getting that solid and then raising funds? Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. There's, there's one other thing to consider is, um, so uh, with Hippo, we're based in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a different VC climate in Europe than in the US. Um, so the, 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 basically the, the valuations and the constraints towards a VC round in Europe are different than in, than in the US. Um, so that, that uh, you should take into consideration as well. Uh, but using, How is it different, uh, uh, the European VC market and the US VC market? Uh, the, the basically there's a lot more money uh, in the US uh, VC market. Um, the, the interesting element is just there has been a lot more exits uh, where basically VCs uh, also um, yeah they profited from those exits. In Europe, that's picking up, uh, but still it's it's, it's the, the early days. And what that means is that people are uh, less likely to take a lot of risk in Europe. Um, so you see that in your valuation, uh, but also the term sheets you get. Uh, and I think a large part of uh, when you get into uh, uh, rounds with VCs is uh, understanding uh, what impact certain terms have uh, on how you can run your business. Yeah. All right. So full circle, if you're in Europe, start by bootstrapping. So you get that experience and you get the higher evaluation from the VCs in Europe. <laughs> All right. You're right on. I want to take, take a step back, back to, uh, Bloomreach. Um, what does Bloomreach do in a nutshell? Yeah. So, so Bloomreach, uh, basically was founded by, uh, Ashito and, and Raj. Um, they came out of the Google, uh, search engine, uh, basically the engineers who build that. And uh, uh, basically what we did is we looked at um, how to use data and AI, machine learning, to improve the digital experience. Uh, fast forward to where we are now is we're creating the first open and intelligent uh, DHP or digital experience platform uh, basically the software on which you build amazing digital environments. And they could be websites, they could be apps, they could be in-store applications. Um, so uh, basically, if you look at, at clients like um, FC Bayern München, which is a large soccer club, all um, the online experiences, all the information you get digitally, so to the app, to the stadium, to the website is all coming through our platform. Um, so basically what we do is we provide the tooling um, that enterprises can 
deliver amazing digital experiences. And the AI is, is making sure that they can um, get extra revenue. So if you look at Staples, for example, uh, they use our tooling to uh, basically increase their revenue. So the merchandisers are using our uh, algos to understand which products they should boost or uh, which they should bury. They get the insights from what people are searching for. Everything is personalized and, and in a way uh, run by machines that they uh, can get the best return. Okay. So with that said, how can a, an earlier stage company that can't afford Bloomreach, <laughs> how could they, what kind of tips would you give for them to start in that right direction? Um, I think the critical step is to uh, have the ability to understand your data. Um, so well, nowadays it's not that hard to set up an online environment. Uh, the challenge is how can you optimize uh, that uh, online platform? Um, when you starting up, you obviously can still control by just looking at the data yourself. You don't, yeah, you not necessarily need all the AI to optimize um, all the visitors or all the um, all the people which are on your online platform and, and provide them with personalized experiences. Um, so, but if you don't have the data then it's really hard to keep on optimizing. When you grow out and you start to scale, um, then you need more machine learning. Then uh, you cannot control everything by creating human rules. Yeah. Um, and in that way, yeah, then, then you should start to look at platforms like uh, Bluemeet. Yeah, Excel only goes so far with, uh, with data. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. You wrote a couple of years ago, I saw a post that you wrote on, uh, on LinkedIn about why it's how content is important for every part of a client's buying journey. Uh, I know this was, I'm taking you back a couple of years when you wrote this, but you said that it's the content that you create is important for your clients from the top of the funnel all the way to when they are actually already a client and onboarded. Can you dive into why this is? Yeah, so um, two things are really important to, uh, to to understand if you run a company. One is basically uh, the cost of acquiring a new customer. And uh, the second is how can you upsell and cross-sell towards your existing customers? Um, often organizations are mainly focused around the new business customers. So how do I attract more new customers to my product to my platform. Um, but often you could generate a lot more revenue by uh, upselling or growing your existing customer base. So um, if you have any uh, like marketing materials or you have a content marketing team or you're thinking about creating content, uh, first thing you should think about is um, don't only create the content for uh, the new customers, but also think about uh, how to maintain your existing customers happy or give them new insights, how they can use uh, more of your product. Um, so look, don't only look at the new base, but also look at how to, to grow your existing customer base. 
the second step within content marketing is everything you write or all the content you're creating, what's actually the goal and what's the persona you're creating that content for? Um, if you have a clear understanding of what the goal should be, you could basically track down how that content is performing. Uh, what we also call uh, uh, content performance management. Um, and then it gets really interesting because then you, you could see if uh, certain articles or certain content you created, if that's actually successful, if that's delivering you the certain leads you, you're looking for to, to get. Um, then you could, for example, double down on that, that content. Um, so by understanding how your content is performing, gives you insights on uh, what you should do in the future in regards to your content marketing uh, planning and, and calendaring. Okay, so how are you tracking that? You're tracking like visitors to that, like uh, blog posts, if you're writing a blog post, and then how many of those click to sign up for the, the white paper or sign up for a trial from there? How are you, what yeah, would you yeah, yeah, that, yeah, so, so uh, I, I look at like the visitor to lead management, Mm -hmm. um so and there's obviously a lot of materials around uh, attribution within uh, uh the marketing attribution game is sometimes difficult like what's the entry point how, how do you contribute a certain dollar of, of um, new biz to uh, a certain content assets for example but an, uh, an easy way um is what you just described if, if you create a content piece should always have a CTA or a related article uh, uh, to it. And it should be on the right or on the bottom or wherever you, and that's more the UI bit. Uh, but then you could track down if that actually the goal, what you have, if that's uh, getting more leads. So if it's a more bottom of the funnel uh, content piece or thought leadership, uh, which is leading to some other articles, you could track down uh, the conversion of those articles. Uh, obviously with uh, the platform we have, we track a lot more of that visitor behavior because it could also tell you a lot about is that visitor coming from the uh, the region you're targeting? Is that is that a company of a company size you try to target? Um, is that person visiting multiple pages, which is telling, uh, which is giving certain interesting insights as well. You could provide taxonomies as uh, so basically metadata tied to that article, which could, could give you insights as well saying, okay, these articles are about, uh, we do a lot more currently in uh, the, the new movements like headless commerce and then headless uh, content management, uh, which gives insights on the persona, which are reading these articles. So there's basically a lot of information you could get from the content you, you're creating. Um, but the easier one to track your performance is indeed, is this blog article uh, giving me any leads, uh, which <laughs> yeah. is the CTA at the bottom. Okay, interesting. So if you don't already have your ideal client profile, something putting together a system like this could also help you find out who your ideal client profile is that you're attracting on the top of the funnel anyways, um, to start yeah, and, to and, narrow it down. 
yeah, and it goes even further. Basically, uh, the tooling we provide is also looking at um, uh, which gaps do you have within your content marketing. So it, it shows insights or it provides insights, what we call content trends. Uh, and then you know that you should focus on uh, yeah, certain content in the future to, to fill that gap. Wow. It's really nice. Really helpful for, for the marketing teams, saving, saving a lot of time and really uh, a lot of effort. Yeah, and the interesting aspect is that the marketing teams, they can, can show data to watch like how much they cont contributed to the revenue numbers of their company. So, yeah. So. Cool. So with, with something like this then, how does the marketing team and, and sales, how do they work together? Um, yeah, and obviously we're currently only talking about the content marketing team. Uh, often within um, these organizations, you have content marketing, uh, you have campaigns, uh, you have product marketing, um, you might have community marketing, you might have customer marketing. So there, there might be different departments. Mm -hmm. um, but the interesting with, with content marketing, you could just have a, a certain KPI. I want to deliver, I don't know, thousand or ten thousand leads in q1 um of for a certain persona in a certain region and then you can just start measuring this okay great i want to take uh change change direction a little bit and talk about uh the how you you were mentoring at uh startup boot camp yeah and you're you're working with a lot of different founders and a lot of different earlier stage companies what is some of the biggest challenges that the founders are bringing to you? Um, the, the, the funny thing is uh, uh, the founders often think they bring a different challenge than I uh, think they have, but that, that's, that's something else. I, I think the biggest challenge is always focus. So as a founder, you basically everywhere you look is an opportunity. Uh, everything is possible. Um, but to get really successful, uh, you should just focus on one thing and really bring it home. And that's often uh, the hard bit because to not get distracted by all the other opportunities which are out there. Um, so that's, that's the most common um, thing we, we do as, uh, as mentors of uh, Startup Bootcamp. Is, is to bring focus, to bring it down to one first MVP, bring it to the market, test it out, play with it and improve instead of expanding it, expanding, expanding, and then people don't understand what you're doing anymore. They don't understand the message. Uh, so make it small and focus on it. It's like a kid in a candy store. Oh, oh look, there's something. Oh, look, there's something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get one. <laughs> Yeah, once you finish that one you get another one <laughs> that's a simple way of looking at the mentorship but that's exactly right yeah yeah all right and where when when a company comes to you are you in this in the boot camp are you working with them on their sales efforts at all um that's normally like in the beginning the hard bit is just getting the mvp and then getting funding um to get the MVP ready, you work on their pitch 
like how do you pitch towards the customer? What what's your what, do you have a challenger pitch? What kind of methodology do you use? Um, so yes, we work on the on like improving the like go to market strategy, uh, but we're not really working on like how to ramp out the sales team or like yeah. because normally it's it's, it's, it's early stage. Not, it, there's not a seed round. Yeah. Okay. And <clears throat> the pitch, are you, the pitch with a, to sales and the pitch for founders is so completely different. So what, you know, if you're working with them, how, how are you working with them on the pitch? Yeah. Normally that's still with the founders. Um, and then we just follow a, like a challenger model. Like, okay. Uh, where you basically, uh, what's happening in the market? Uh, what are the trends? Do they agree with it? How we're ch challenging it and then bringing the solution and then tell something about the company um, in, in a nutshell. Um, uh, what you often see is that, 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 the ch that the founders, they bring in a lot more. They, they bring in the passion. They, 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 they're all often the expert in their field. So they derivate from, from the, the, the standard pitch, which normally is a good thing. They, they have that charm and, and, and that way you buy into, uh, you get the customers to buy into working with that organization because it's obviously a risk for an enterprise to start working with a small startup. Um, uh, but so one is having a methodology, but the other side is uh, not losing sight of uh, just enthusiasm uh, a founder can bring to the table. Yeah, enthusiasm and the the excitement of of where not where you are now, but where you're going to be. Yeah, 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 and and that's the most important part uh, thing a founder can bring across. So you, uh, the goal is for us not to rationalize and and and, and to put them into a script. Uh, but give them the freedom to, to really show um, why they are changing this space or yeah. the space they're working for. Good. And, and you don't focus on uh, very much on what product features you have. Yeah, is, so that's within the sales methodology. Uh, the feature sell is the worst thing you can do. So uh, the, the, those are some, 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 some ground rules where we say, okay, don't get into feature selling. Um, what's the difference between feature selling and, and challenger selling? You, you often have solution and consulting selling. Usually you have different methodologies, uh, but uh, yeah, you, we, we definitely explain like, it's not that one feature they're buying or that one button on the right. That's, that's not uh, how that's going to change their company. Yeah. Even if you, even if they, as the founder, are very excited because it took them three weeks to put that feature together or something, <laughs> it's that's not what you want to focus on. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, and and then there's one other bit is just rehearsing a lot. So um, a pitch gets better and better over time. So just put them in front, play that your customer, repeat, iterate, and get it better. Uh, so a lot of pitch games, uh, which are also being done, um, with the other 
companies which are being started within a startup bootcamp or an incubator. Um, and that just helps to, to improve. I always tell people I work with that uh, the best way to improve your pitch is to go to a conference because then you're getting, yeah. you get to speak to hundreds of people. You get live feedback. You get to read their body language and hear their tonality. So then it's, it's way better than, uh, than pitching to friends or, or coworkers because then you're really getting real live feedback right there and you can make the changes very rapidly. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, uh, I will bring it up in the next meeting. <laughs> Good. Because uh, I, I, you, you almost never get any sales leads from, uh, from conferences. It's, they're very little and they take, they're very long. It's, it's not the right way to look at conferences, so, which most, most startups are doing. Uh, they, they go there looking, say, hey, we're going to close some business from this. And uh, typically, it's not the case. It's more brand recognition and getting out there and hearing feedback from the from the clients. But most importantly, I tell is to bring the new people, bring the and or if you're the founder, also work on your on your pitch. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good way. Uh, I still uh, obviously depends as well if you're selling direct or through a partner, mm -hmm. um, and and understanding your sales cycle is a good thing. Like. Uh, especially enterprise software, you, you're not selling that in that conference. Yeah. Uh, but it could be a first contact moment and then you start nurturing, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Transactional sales wouldn't do well. It's a completely different game. So uh, as enterprise consultative kind of sale. All right. <clears throat> I want to talk, go back about uh, your experience. Uh, You've now got a large team, I, I believe around 400 people or, or so. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, uh, it's around 300, but yeah. Oh, okay. uh, so we, we have offices in, in Bangalore, Amsterdam, London, Boston, Dallas, and Montevideo. Headquarters is in Montevideo. Wow. Okay. So if you... What do you wish that you could have done at the early days, um, like of as far as documentation, that would have helped you in these later days? What kind of documentation would would you have uh, taken better care of? Um, like, I think uh, just the sales process. Mm -hmm. and documenting and, and being clear about all the stages in the sales process, but also how do you deliver a pitch, and which pitch is being delivered. Just the, the documentation and process, um, uh, I would have improved. So um, what you often see with startups is just like that the software sells itself or you don't think about the scalability that much of all the new people you, you need to onboard. Um, that's what I would have done better is thinking about uh, scaling faster and what's important to scale is just having clear documentation and uh, around the sales process but also the sales materials the sales enablement um, and then yeah both the process and the documentation to look at and especially around the onboarding of new salespeople okay when you're how many salespeople do you have? 
Yeah, so so we just had like for example our sales kickoff, and then there are more than hundred people. So a large part of that, uh, but obviously we have partner managers, we have SDRs, we have people from marketing. So uh, if you, uh, but you you could look at like one third of the company is, is really dedicated to focusing on like how to sell more software, and then you have uh, an existing customer base as well. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, the hunters and the farmers. Okay. So with that many salespeople, what are you finding uh, is the best trait to look for in a good salesperson? Um, yeah. And, and, and to, to go back, we're in the enterprise sales business. So we sell to, um, yeah, to the largest uh, organizations uh, on the globe. Um, to do that, uh, it's a team sport. So uh, somebody needs to be a team player to be successful uh, selling our software. So yeah, you have the sort of lone wolf sales guys that won't be successful within our company. So to sell well, you need a good relationship with the sales consultant. There's obviously often an exact sales or bring in the C-level um, often product management is involved and uh, there's all these um, uh, yeah, different people from our organizations um, are brought into the larger accounts to um, uh, yeah, to be successful, to, to make the deal. Uh, it's not just one guy doing an amazing presentation and you're done. Yeah. So how do, how do you tell if somebody is uh, going to be a good team player? Yeah, so what we do is we have an uh, assessment. So basically, um, instead of just only having interviews, uh, a salesperson is actually pitching uh, towards our uh, organization. So uh, they get a, a case, uh, they get our materials, and then they present in front of uh, colleagues. Um, so in that way, you can really look at like, how do you approach the deal? What are they doing? So that really helps. But uh, that's still them against uh, selling uh, as a single person. How do you tell if that if they're going to be a team player or not? Yeah, so, so the interesting, but now I, I tell some tricks of the trades, how you do a successful interview around with us is within that sales process, um, you obviously get that case beforehand but you can reach out during that process to ask questions. Uh, basically, do these people start collaborating upfront? Do they uh, engage with other people? Uh, or are they like, okay, you send them in the materials and then they show up on the, on the day they present. That's already telling a lot. Um, and then in the room, you can see how they're working uh, uh, for example, with, with other people, which would help their uh, pitch. Okay. You're, you're putting me back to my first job in tech and now I'm thinking, wow, they, that's what they did to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I passed it. <laughs> yeah. So then you're, then you're not alone with a team player and, and that that's critical to be successful uh, within the enterprise selling. Yeah. All right. Great. And what's the, I know you said lone, lone wolf won't get along in your organization, but besides that, what is a, one of the worst traits that you find uh, 
that makes it past the interview stage, but then comes in and you find that that trait is really a poor trait for a salesperson for the enterprise role. Yeah. So, so the, the thing is, um, in, in enterprises, there are two things which are critical and those are a bit hard to check in the, in the assessment. Um, obviously we have, we have tricks around it, but, uh, the question is if they're always successful. One is, the um, uh, you sell a vision and with the enterprises is not something pops out of the box and you, you, you it's, it's not like installing an app on your iPhone. It's not next, next, next. So you, there needs to be vision in which customers buy into. Uh, so you need to challenge them and you need to be able to explain why you're different and why your vision is better than, than a vision of your, uh, of your competitor. And then when they bought into the, the vision, the difficulty is uh, how to project manage that deal. Uh, and that those two things are a bit harder, especially the, the second bit, like what do we mean by project management is you're working with legal, you're working with security, you're working with procurement. There's all these parts of the organization you work with to be able to successfully close a deal within a certain time frame. Yeah, we, uh, with, with over 100 million in, in funding, we, we obviously have a board and uh, we are quality driven. So when, when you give a commit number to uh, Q1 or Q2, um, then you, yeah, you need to hit that number. Um, to do that, you need to be able to control these larger enterprises and to explain them which steps are needed to, to fulfill uh, a sales cycle. Um, and, and to have all that, be a team player, be able to articulate a vision, but also be able to, to bring it home by, by managing that customer, um, that's a rare talent. So it's, it's hard to, good, uh, to find good salespeople. <laughs> it, we have that problem here in Israel as well. <laughs> really, really, really challenging to find you know, those, those good ones that have all those traits that you just said. Um, especially to be able to articulate and foresee the process uh, as it comes. Yeah, that, that's hard. And, and, and we have worked with enough like well-established large enterprises which uh, get surprised by their own process, for example. And you should take them by the hand and, and just explain them, this is going to happen. When can we plan our legal calls? When is the redlining happening? And just, just uh, yeah, really bring it home. It's it's kind of like being in uh, an orchestra, uh, an orchestrator, uh, and you know, okay, here here we're going to talk to your legal team. Here we're going to do this. You you put everybody on on their team in the right direction. Yeah, and then the hard bit is as well is time kills all deals, so <laughs> you still should keep on the pressure, and then that's the hard bit. You you're working together already, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to have that your sponsor is leaving to another company or the company is being acquired or uh, all the projects are on hold or th there could be all kinds of reasons why, why, why it's not working anymore. Um, and to make sure that that doesn't happen within your sales cycle, you need to manage this, but as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's, uh, it, but that always happens. Some people are always changing jobs and it happens too often, unfortunately, especially with longer deal cycles. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I yeah. would change yeah. your what you said. I don't think it's time kills all deals. I think it's momentum kills all deals. It's close, but uh, but different. Because <laughs> it could take one year to close something, but if you've got the momentum, then then you're okay. Yeah, at least if the communication line is open, that's that's critical. Absolutely. Great. Well, TJ, we covered a lot of stuff today and uh, we really appreciate your time. Is there a way for people to reach out to you or get a hold of you? Yeah, obviously LinkedIn. I have that difficult name, Chia uh, Trenningmeyer. Obviously you can follow me on, on Twitter as well. Uh, uh, the best way to engage with me is just through LinkedIn. Um, and obviously my contact details are on bloomreach.com as well. Okay. I'll put the link to your LinkedIn in the show notes so people could, uh, if they want, they could click on it and make it easy to find you. Yeah, that, that will really help with my difficult name. <laughs> Great. TJ, thank you very much. Thanks. Great to be on your show. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io. All right, TJ, let's finish things off with the final five. What is your favorite sales or leadership book? Um, the challenger selling challenger sales. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you have somebody that you follow or read for leadership and sales ideas? Um, there are some, some LinkedIn, uh, channels, uh, but I don't immediately come up with the name, but there is, um, uh, one other book, which is, um, the selling methodology from, um, from Salesforce. Uh, uh, Aaron, um, yeah, that's Aaron the one. Something. Yeah. Okay. Great. Do you have, uh, are you available 24 seven or do you have strict time, uh, time boundaries? Working with, uh, the U S and India and Europe, I'm 24 seven. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite tool used for sales? Uh, really boring Salesforce. It's not really, you know, it's the, probably the most common answer I hear. Yeah. And one other uh, inside square, actually, I would add that inside square. I never heard of it. What does it do? Uh, it's, it's basically a, a forecasting tool and it's providing all kinds of insight on top of Salesforce, uh, which tells you how AEs are performing. Um, if you're going to hit your number in Q1 or like it's providing all kinds of other dashboards mm -hmm. uh, on top of Salesforce. Great. Last question. What one piece of advice do you have for all the founders and sales uh, leaders out there? Keep the energy going. <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> all right, TJ. Thank you very much for joining us today. 